We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022, the Memorial Tournament. DraftKings picks and preview. Play in the listeners' link. The link is down in the description. Let's fill that as quickly as possible. Smash a like to the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Leave your favorite 6K play down in the description. And, of course, sub to the newsletter. That's where all the final plays are going to be. I'll be live with Tyler Tambellini, noon Eastern time on Wednesday, to finalize everything. The DraftKings plays, the fades, the pivot plays, all of the bets, all your questions. You have to be subbed to the channel to get your question in, though. Joining me from DKNation.com, amongst other places, his return to the show after a lengthy absence. Why was he off the show? I don't know. I can't quite remember. But it's an American holiday, so phone a Canadian day. Jeff Ulrich, what's up? <laughs> I knew there was a reason you had me back. because everyone else was busy. I didn't even attempt to ask anyone else. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. You know what? It's there's so many good like in, in all honesty, like there's so many good golf talk content writers and stuff out there nope. now. And impossible. And Imp- impossible. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> well, no, there is. I mean, I know. I know it's impossible. But I'm going to inform you then. And there is. And you need to you need to give them airtime and stuff. I mean, it's it's important. Are you mad that Kirsch like took one of your spots? Absolutely. That guy. <laughs> yes. And spe- especially him. You know, he's trying to like it rain in on my Louis Ustase in fan base. Like, give me a break, pal. I mean, just find your own golfer. Yeah, but you have so much money to be won on the live tour now. He can win over there. <laughs> oh, I, I'm I'm legit excited for him to start on the live tour. And I'm not kidding about that. I absolutely think he's probably going to just clean up. Louis's got like a huge farm to pay for. He's got like three daughters. It's expensive, man. He is chomping at the bit to get some live golf tour money. I'm well, excited. Well, let's see if he ends up in the U.S. Open. I'm pretty sure that he's going to. Wasn't the oh, live yeah. field supposed to drop like two, three, four days ago and we just nothing? Yeah, nothing no. has been heard? Like a week ago it was supposed to. So I assume since we're on the subject, 
they're probably like maybe waiting for some people to like maybe make some decisions. That's kind of what I feel like. Maybe like is maybe a name or two is like on the fence. Is that I don't know. Maybe, maybe Louis on the fence. I mean, Louis needs to pay for a fence, and like I said, I think he can win over there. He's not winning over here, and he doesn't have UPS to pay the bills anymore. Him and Westwood got dropped, so I think the writing's on the wall for Louis. I mean, that, that he's gone. Westwood's gone, but I don't know. I don't know why they haven't dropped the field yet. There must be some some magic thing they're waiting for. Either that, or it's just such a shit show that you know that that's probably the real answer. That you know they just they're just so unorganized that. They, they're not ready to do it. So. The, the only thing I can think of of what they're waiting for is I know the NCAA tournament is concluding the championship like right now as we're talking, maybe into Tuesday as well, that maybe uh, they're waiting for those guys to finish and be like, hey, the, the NCAA champion's on here. Like for whoever wins or like even the guy who comes eighth in the NCAA championship this year, it's probably better off going to the live tour if you want to make some quick cash. Oh, absolutely. And that's a good way to give the old double bird to the PGA tour. Cause those guys are usually, they go into the, the they get some sponsors exemptions into the, the PGA events like later in the summer. And then, you know, that's where, how we get like the Matt, the new Matthew Wolf and stuff like that. Well, maybe not Matthew Wolf. Colin Morikawa is probably a better example. Right. Um, so yeah, that would be uh, that, that actually could be a real thing there. Um, definitely would not be shocked to see Norman going after uh, one or two of those guys. So. Yeah, he could probably have Big Norm, Big Panda. That guy could probably play on the Live Tour. He's, he's like on the McKenzie Tour right now. I don't know. I feel like Norm even has to go through qualifying for Live at this point. I mean, <laughs> he's yeah. I remember the Big Panda days. That was I actually never really played him, but other people did. People were, I lose my money with other people. People not with Norm. Well, let's try to find some guys to lose money on this week. Uh, the Memorial is over seventy four hundred yards, par seventy two. Seven of some of the toughest par fours that you're going to find. Tread some water on those. Tread some water on the long par threes. Try to make it up on the one easy par four in the par fives. That's the strategy of this tournament. We'll see if anyone can actually pull it off. Patrick Cantley is the asterisk defending champion of this tournament, as John Rom was running away with it as we went through. The biggest thing to focus on right now. We can talk about skill sets for players, but there's only 120 players in this field, it being an invitational. Top 65 and ties are going to make the cut, which means at least 54% of all players will play the weekend. I say at least because, you know, eight guys all of a sudden tie for T65. Now it's up to like 60, 61%. Do you have a particular strategy for weeks like this? Like, is it like, as we saw a week ago, it was the same at Colonial, 120 players, same cut rules. And Stars and Scrubs would have really paid off last week. Yeah, it did. And, or it would have, and you know, if you went that route and I, I do think it is usually the generally the correct strategy for these events. And this week though, it's that, like, that's really going to get put to the test for people, I think for a couple different reasons. Um, mainly because we just have like this group of young players in like the AK range that everyone's going to want to play. And if you play like three of them, you know, you, it's not really going to be stars and scrubs. I mean, I guess it could be like stars and a scrub or something like that, but you know, there's, there's real opportunity. I think there's going to be actual pretty low ownership on some of these guys over 10 K. So um, you're going to kind of almost have to like force yourself maybe to, to leave off some names that you're probably going to want to play. Obviously we'll get to these names. I mean, I think they're pretty obvious at this point, Cam Young, Zal Torres, uh, maybe not so much Zal Torres. He's nine, four, but like Davis Riley, those guys um, being in the AK range, if you want to employ the stars and scrub strategy and, and take advantage of the, the smaller field and the six K range, 
you're going to have to, you know, make, make some decisions, I guess. Well, let's jump right into that. Let's talk about the obvious names of the week, who the early week chalk is going to be. Again, Tambo and I will hammer on what is going to be the overall chalk, at least our best guesses of that, come Wednesday once it matures a little bit. You mentioned Cam Young. I'm going to throw Shane Lowry onto that list as well, just mainly because yeah. he's not as expensive at all as I thought he was going to be. I thought he was yeah. going to be like 9700 bucks. Not the case, and even 9000 So you're going to have a chance, and maybe this is the correct strategy, because you said you know Stars and Scrubs makes a lot of sense with a field like this, top 65 and ties, but a balance build for a field like Memorial, and when Feinberg and I talk through it like you have seen long shot winners in the past but generally when you look at this leaderboard it's just chock full of good players like of the top like 30 players in the field it's generally who's inside the top 30 pick and choose a few of the guys who run a hot putter or whatever might occur but uh, if who do you think are going to be the like the obvious plays you said riley probably not zalatoris so lowry cam young for sure who else would you throw into that mix yeah, so I, I think Mito at 8K is very much like Shane Lowry at 9K. Like at this point, he's just it's just a little bit too cheap for, for old Mito uh, to be at 8K. I mean, he's just playing too good. I think some people may actually stay off Davis Riley because he's priced up. Like he's he's $600 more expensive than Mito at, at 8,600. And he doesn't have that course experience. And plus, everybody just saw him blow up on national TV on Sunday. So they got the instant, well, this guy can't bounce back and he can't keep the ball in the fairway. So I don't want to play him. 8600, but I'll take the discount on Mito. So I think Shane Lowry, absolutely. It's the first name I picked out. I'm like, wow, Shane Lowry's 9K. Uh, th there's your chalk for the week. Um, I, I think that, you know, that, but there's other players that are mispriced. Like you, I mean, you mentioned um, like the like the 9K range, like Victor Hovland's only 9,300. Um, that's really cheap when you've got Xander to bounce off of over 10K. And then Jordan Spieth at 9,700 feels really mispriced to me too. So I think up top, again, this just all leads us to like more balanced lineup construction, which is why I'm I'm going to be pretty tempted to you know create with like two guys over 10k because I don't think anyone's going to be doing it. There's just too many players like Spieth, Lowry, Hovland, and Mito who are just underpriced, and people are going to try and and jam in and just and and they should. I mean, some of these guys are good, especially Spieth. I think. But I think that the double 10K start this week is going to have really, really low ownership on it. I'm going to throw Chris Kirk into that mix, too, because he perfectly oh, fills absolutely. out the back yeah. end of that balance build at $7,700. And do you think there'll be a groundswell for Patrick Reed at 79 now, now that he's like good again? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that Kirk, Reed, and you could even throw Kucher's name in there a little bit. Um, they'll probably all, in a way, balance off each other. But I think that Kirk eventually will, will kind of be like the, the chalkiest of the bunch. Again, like, you know, people are getting a little bit sharper about this. And even the people who just kind of play casually will just see, oh, Chris Kirk, you know, fifth in the PGA. He's making a ton of cuts. Um, this guy told me that he's gained strokes on approach in like 13 straight starts, which he has. <laughs> and he's he's got great course history. So you don't even really need to dive too deep into Chris Kirk just to see that, oh, this, you know, he's, he's playing well. He's priced very, very fairly, too fairly, quite frankly. And um you know, he, he's probably going to like grind out at least a made cut for us at 7,700. I think Patrick Reed is still a good play. And, you know, I, I mean, the ball striking's coming up. Obviously, he's got the great course history. He's got better pedigree than, than Kirk. So maybe in like the higher price tournaments, I think you could see Reed maybe like, like overcome or just be higher owned than Kirk in like the, the bigger dollar events. Whereas like in the, the, you know, the $20, the $5 entries, I think Kirk might, might kind of switch places with Reed there. So that's kind of how I'm looking at those two. 
And I mean, it makes sense. Like I think Reed still is the better player between them, probably just slightly better upside for, for GPPs. Oh, again, like Chris Kirk just feels like a guy who's, who's kind of ready to just break through at some point. So if we go and try to think about how to start 9K+, plus, how we're going to start our lineups this week, you mentioned the double 10K play. Probably easier to pull off with the Stars and Scrubs. Obviously, you have to get the Scrubs right when it comes down to this. But if you do do that, and this is something that Tambo has you know, really kind of enlightened me to, is that it doesn't matter how chalky the two 10K guys are going to be independently. Just so very few people are going to play them together. And what that allows you to do, like I just threw in Rom and Morikawa into a lineup as just a starter to see how that would go. The first and fourth most expensive players. You have $7,100 left for your final four. That basically takes you out of that chalk range that you're talking about of where all the popular plays are going to land. That gets rid of Mito, Reed, Kucher, Kirk, Scott, C. Woo! Uh, is apparently going to be quite popular, at least early in the week. Aaron Wise, Alex Noren, they're all right there. And it kind of takes you out of the running for all of them. So if you don't have any of those guys in your lineup at, because you start 10K, 10K, all of a sudden, it doesn't really matter who you take the rest of the time. I think your lineup is going to be pretty unique versus the rest of the field, even if it's full with chalky-type guys. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, like on a week, I mean, that that rule definitely is set. I mean, if, even if John Rahm was projecting to be like 25% owned, which I'm pretty sure he's, he's not, not going to be this week. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like you could still, it, it's still the, like, you know, what you're saying still makes a ton of sense because, you know, you're going to be pairing him with another 10K guy, which most people are not going to be doing. And then also when you're dipping down below 7K, I mean, we talk about it in terms of like, oh, you know, this 6K guy is going to be chalky, but even the chalky guys under 7K, do they ever really get up over 10%? Like it doesn't, it, it's pretty rare. So just, just in terms of the player pool you're going to be choosing from to round out your lineup, it's pretty much just going to take care of itself, which is really the nice thing about this build. You start off with the two 10K guys that you like, and then it's kind of like you can just pick whoever you want and you don't really need to worry too much about ownership necessarily unless you know you've got some real i don't know like you, you just really want a guy who's like one percent owned or something but you don't really need to worry about it too much in terms of like overall ownership at least in my opinion and especially this week because i don't think that any of the guys over 10k with all of the the sort of undervalued plays under like in the 9k range and even in the 8k range I, you know, maybe Rory gets up there a little bit and, and ends up as like a top three play by the end of the week or something, but I don't know that that's the only name I would really think is going to get up there. We'll see how this matures during the week, but Xander seems to be the one who is sticking out above everyone else in terms of where people are going to start their lineups. Xander, Rory, Spieth, those three, everyone else. It's not like people aren't starting their lineups with those guys, but that's where the majority of people tend to be going at the moment, maybe even pairing two of those up. My two favorite plays from up here, I don't know what to do. I'm going to use Rom. 100% I'm going to use Rom, but he's probably not going to be in my main lineup unless I can really enjoy what's going on at the bottom end. I think starting with Morikawa makes the most sense because it's me and I love Morikawa. And he has this like pretty good track record at Jack Nicholas courses, I've heard. Um, yeah, and this decent. is a Jack okay. Nicholas. Let's see. He's a. Uh, let's see. He won the workday at this course. That was pretty good. He lost like 3,000 strokes putting, but still made the cut at the next week at Memorial. He lost in a playoff at this tournament last year. They just play, hey, we're going to play concession, this weird Jack Nicholas course that no one's ever played before. Oh, Colin Morikawa is going to win there too. So he projects to be the lowest owned at this moment, at least, of the top five guys above $10,000. So I like him. And the other one that I want to go with, and I'm curious to see 
where the ownership ends up coming in. But I think there are so many cases you can make against Cam Smith this week. Your guy, Cam Smith, that mm. I, I think just the needle points to him. Uh, it's never really worked out for him at this course. Four or six missed cuts. You know, no finish better than T65. Hasn't gained on putting in any of his past two starts. Lost in four of his past five. I know He just flips the putter and all of a sudden he's the best player in the world. And we've seen him do it too many times already this year that it should be fine. And I don't know where his ownership is going to get. But if you wanted to do one of those balanced lineups, I think you go like Cam Smith, Zalatoris, Lowry. That'd be my preferred three. But the more you talk about like Hovland and Matsuyama, feels like they might be sliding under the radar. This 9K range is really interesting. I'm not going to play Spieth. I love Spieth, but he's played well at this tournament over the years, but he's never really competed for a victory at this tournament. So that's just an easy cross-off for me. And I just don't want to play Patrick Cantlay. I don't care that he's won two of the past five times at this course. I don't want to support him, so I'm not playing him. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't really want to support Patrick Cantlay either after, you know, ruining my PGA championship lineups. I, I hope that at some point he, he does break through for, uh, you know, uh, a major championship win, but no, I hope, nice I, I hope he doesn't. If, I hope he, well, okay, fair. I just wish it had happened when I'd been on him, but um, yeah, I, I can't lay definitely could be like the pure ownership play of this group. Yeah. But I, because I think I, like this, I think he'll be higher owned than Morikawa is going to be. Okay, actually, that's a good point. I, I I should have started with this. I like the Morikawa play a lot because that is where I want to go as well. I don't really want to play Gantley either, even though I'm just trying to stick up for him just for, for show's sake. But I, I agree. I think Morikawa is a good starting point. I think that regardless of who else you kind of decide to go with over 10K, um, and I really just I, – I, I think that Rory will be like the chalkiest of the group over 10K. And then it's just kind of going to be – like Xander probably will be up there with him, but – the rest of the guys like Rom, Cantlay, Morikawa, and let's just throw Smith in there because he's above Spieth. Let's just throw everyone above Spieth in there. Like I kind of like the Morikawa-Smith pairing as well. Not only does it save you a little bit of money, but Cam Smith just he can't get that chalky this week because he's more expensive than Spieth and Zalatoris, and he's also got this like course history that, like you said, it, it just people just say, "Well, uh, I can't, I can't, Ross. He's never finished top ten here. How's he? How's he ever going to win this event?" I don't really care about that. I mean, Cam Smith seems like a different player this year. And also, I, I think you look to like uh, like Smith's success at like a place like Augusta National. If, if he can have success there, he can have certainly have success at Muirfield Village. So um, I know they're not completely similar courses. The rough is usually more up a Memorial and stuff like that. But I, I, I'd definitely be down with using Cam Smith this week. I think that when it comes down to it, Spieth will get more ownership. And I kind of agree with you on Spieth this week. He, the, the thing that worries me a little bit about him it's just that this is like his, I think it's his fourth or fifth week playing. It's his fourth week playing in a row. He looked a little bit, just a little bit less sharp last week. He was really just gaining strokes around the green. Are we finally just going to see like the approaches go down? And then, you know, maybe this is the week he gains eight strokes putting and like loses strokes on approach. Maybe that could happen too, but I kind of agree. Like I, I, I don't mind fading him uh, this week. And I think Cam Smith is, is going to be a good pivot. I hope so. Uh, and just Morikawa and Smith shape up to whatever their projected ownership is going to be. It feels like it's going to come in less than that. Because like I mentioned, if everything shakes out how it is right now, obviously that can change. That Cantlay is going to be relatively popular. Not super highly owned, but he'll be very popular. Xander is just projecting off the charts. Everyone wants to use Xander. Everyone wants to use Spieth. The two guys in between those three guys are Morikawa and Smith. So 
if everyone's gravitating towards three guys in particular, the two guys in between them just can't be owned. It, it can't work like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I again, like, I think that Morikawa is, is a good starting point for a couple of reasons, because if you do like Rory and Rory is the guy who scares me this week, like if you're fading him, I mean, I'll probably create a, lo- a lineup with Rory and Morikawa just because again, that gives me exposure to, even if Rory ends up as like a top three on play, well, I'm still pairing him with Morikawa, which a lot of people are not going to do. Most people just aren't going to do. So that just comes back to our initial discussion of, you know, we like Rory. Rory looks close. You know, this is a this would be a great bounce back spot for him. A great place just where he can grab a win, because like what are, most of the top players here would would love to say they've won this event at some point in their career. And and you know, Rory's been close here at times. He's definitely coming in with some of the best form he's ever had in his life. So I think a win here too, a little bit bigger than say winning like the Wells Fargo for him. So Rory is a guy that um, you know he's he's the lead, the guy I'm most scared to fade. And because of that, I'll, I'll definitely like create a lineup <laughs> with him. And probably with Morikawa in it. Um, again, Morikawa being the guy I most like to pair with. Simple fact that I think that, like you mentioned, the history here, but also just uh, I, I think they'll be the one perhaps with the most, uh, the lowest ownership above, like you know, above speed. And what we've seen in the past, the short game might get him into some problems. The sand might get him into some problems. But as was the case at Southern Hill, the best way to get rid of a bad short game is just hit a bunch of greens regulation. And Morikawa is still doing that. The iron play isn't peak level Morikawa gaining 10 strokes per week that we saw, but that was like Tiger 2000 numbers. No one's going to sustain that, but it's still like six per week, four and a half per week. That's good enough. As long as he's driving the ball and actually has a decent putting week. So we need the decent putting week, but that pops up every now and again. So I'm good with that. What I'm really confused with is between this like Spieth and Dan Berger, Dan Berger, like he's my pal, Daniel Hauserberger. <laughs> so between 97 and 8,500 bucks, you could sell me on any one of those guys. That's going to be the real issue here. Is this a pure ownership play? Like Sung Jay, I'm guessing is going to be the lowest. I like Sung Jay enough at 8,900 bucks. I think Lowry's going to play well at 9,000. Is there a chance that Lowry gets not necessarily under owned, but not nearly as owned as we think because Homa Young are right there at 88 and 87. And what's a really easy build that you can do is let's say you like Xander. Xander's 10 2. You throw Xander into your lineup and then you immediately drop to Cam Young and Max Homa. You still have $7,400 left. It's a pretty easy build from there because you can still throw Kirk into that lineup. You can still throw Mito into that lineup if you wanted to, or even Kucher, save some money. And you have $6,800. They're like an obvious $6,800 guy. People will go to Streelman. Dude hasn't missed a cut in seven years at this event. That one makes a lot of sense. Uh, Adam Long's playing a little bit better. Pat Perez is playing better. And Fantasy National is showing Brendan Steele popping off the charts. I think that's exclusive to Fantasy National. but Because I really like Brendan Steele this week too. But he becomes a very logical guy with the rest of that build. Or you just punt one of these guys, go to the low sevens and say, hey... I got C.T. Pan and Cam Davis. That works. That actually leaves $200 on the table. Yeah. I mean, like, again, if you if if everything you, you heard, this is the other way you can create lineups this, this week, right? Where you basically just bypass the 10K route and you just go heavy on on this. Like, I don't even know what you'd call it, like surging up and coming like like little group. And um, like you mentioned the ownership on Lowry. Yeah. I mean, like Fitzpatrick is right above him. He's going to soak up some ownership. Um, I, I really, really like Sanjay this week. I hope he is the lowest owned of this group. He will probably get some ownership too, though, because he played well last week. I don't think it'll get crazy because like 
Cam Smith. He too has like really poor course history at this track and he's got Cam Young, Homa, Riley and Berger under him. So I think that if you're going to create lineups here, using Sanjay makes a ton of sense. He's kind of like the Morikawa of the 10K range. You can pair him with a couple other guys here and it kind of just takes care of the ownership for you. So um, this is the other way you can go about doing it. And I think this will probably be the more popular way. People will, will, will maybe start with a Spieth or a Hovland, dip down, take take a couple of, of like, you know, like a Homa and, and Riley combo. Or I think Cam Young is going to be extremely popular when it comes down to it. I mean, and, and for good reason. I mean, he's finished third or better in, in three straight starts, and he absolutely just mashes off the team. He mashes pretty much everywhere, and he's actually a pretty good putter. So Cam Young will be really popular. And if you want to play him and you want to create lineups here, um, I think using Sanjay makes a ton of sense with those guys. I really like Sanjay's chances this week, to be honest. Um, the the around the green game for Sanjay is is popping right now. He's He's been really consistent with that, and he's just not getting as much attention because he missed the PGA uh, championship, but you know, we we've seen, you know, one thing at Muirfield village, like you do have to scramble here. You will miss greens. Everybody misses greens. These are really hard to hit. They're awkwardly shaped. They, uh, you know, they, they obviously run fast and firm. So, um, you know, you, you need someone with a little bit of, of, you know, to panache <laughs> around the greens. And right now, Sanjay is, is kind of showing that all around game that he had when he won at the Honda classic, which is another Jack Nicholas design, by the way. So, do you think people are sick of Zalatoris at this point? Because I'm probably betting Zalatoris to win because I'm a sucker and I do that every week. But it's like one, two, three. This will be the fourth week in a row for him at this point. Maybe fifth. Was it, When was the Zurich? Was there anything in between Zurich and Byron Nelson? I feel like there was. Oh. Maybe not. Either way, he played in that too. So it's like five at least, at least five of the past six weeks he's played, including this will be the fourth week in a row. He should be good here, right? Yeah, absolutely. You should be good here. I mean, um, again, the only thing you worry about Zalatoris is, you know, if he starts to miss just like an extra green or two, that's that that's obviously playing into the weakness of his game. Um, yeah, I, I the, my takes on Will Zalatoris are just like I, I don't I don't want to say it like I don't pretend he exists. Obviously, like for DFS, um, you know, like playing him at, at ninety four hundred is fine, but I don't really think he's a must play this week. Like. You look at Homa down there at Cam Young. I mean, these guys are are like Cam Young might be a better player than than Zalatoris. So I think for DFS, how dare you? I, I don't really think that you need to play Will Zalatoris at all at ninety four hundred. Um, and and if you are on him and if you are kind of pot committed, absolutely take out a bet on him. Like I think that is the proper way to play it. But I look at ninety four hundred. If he's going to be up there you know, trending in terms of ownership. And I'm sure he will be. I see. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he is going to be. I think you're going to see Homa and young just so, like really yeah. grab so much this, of that ownership. This, this could be the week where, where it all kind of flips a little bit. And like, I actually, it's not, I shouldn't say it could be the week. It is going to be the week where it flips. Like Cam young is going to be high, more highly owned than, than Will Zalatoris. That, that is, that is definitely clear. So maybe this is like the week to, to, to load up on Zalatoris. Um, I still don't think he's like a must play or anything, but yeah, when we're talking like tournament lineup structure, you know, strategy, you could certainly start with Zalatoris or you don't necessarily have to start with him, but use him hmm. in a lineup with one of those guys. So um, I think that maybe the question is going to be like Zalatoris or Hovland right now. I'm seeing like far more ownership for, for Hovland personally than Zalatoris. So, you know, if you're thinking about starting kind of with like a balanced approach, 
Zalatoris is probably the guy that you're going to get better leverage on if you go overweight on in, in like the bigger GPPs. And then you can go from there. And um, yeah, so there's a couple different ways to play him. Again, you know, from from like a price perspective, I think he's he's is slightly overpriced this week, but just because of where like Young is and and even like Lowry is, but you know, you you can use that to your advantage too and get lower ownership on him in your in your more balanced lineups. So I, I would wager that the two lowest owned players of the nine Ks are gonna be some mix of Smith. Hovland and Zalatoris one of those three guys probably all three of those guys will be in the bottom three of overall ownership like Hideki will have more Fitzpatrick will have more Lowry will have more I think Hovland will get popular personally that's the one I disagree on I think he I think he could even push for like top five ownership but it's the start of the week and we'll see now, do you worry everything you just said about Zalatoris? If he misses an extra green or two, he's in a lot of trouble. I actually don't worry about Zalatoris around the greens. He's been pretty good around the greens. The guy you were talking about, you know, that's everyone's main concern. What happens if he doesn't hit 80% of his greens in regulation? He could be absolutely, well, not in a great spot. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Hovland's, uh, Hovland's interesting. I mean, it seems like he's not that far off. Like, he's kind of playing, but he's kind of playing, like, not that great either. Like just from what we're used to seeing from Victor Hovland. So he's doing every, like he's still mashing off the tee. The approaches though, aren't like laser like, but he's not, he's not necessarily like being terrible with it either. The putting as we have up, like it's not been terrible either, but the the short game is still kind of holding him back too. So it, it's kind of a weird spot for, for Hovland. Cause I could see it going either way right now. Like I could see him just, kind of mucking about and maybe just like putting in another slow effort. But I, I do think like with the, you know, just with the, the pedigree that he has, like this, this isn't going to last too much longer where, you know, maybe he's just, he's just trying to figure some stuff out. So I don't really have a hot take on him right now. I, I want to see where the ownership lands on Hovland. If I'm right. And, and he's like, becomes one of the, the top three players of, of the week. I, I think that I, I'd find fading him, but if you're right. And he's like in the bottom three of this range, I don't mind taking a shot with him. I mean, it's the dude who lost in a playoff here. Obviously we, we know like when he gets going, I mean, uh, like the, obviously he's just, he's just not going to miss much anyways. And, and I mean, if he just has an average week around the greens, that's good, but um, not a player. I have like a hot take or like a must play of, I just want to see where the ownership lands with, with Hovland. I, I do think you're right. Like, you know, this, if, if he doesn't improve, I mean, I, 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 we could just easily see a miscut here. And this is a, this is a course too, where, usually see a couple people eject here like pretty badly. Like it's, it's a tough setup. Guys get really frustrated around the greens and Hovland could certainly be a candidate for that. Um, yeah, definitely a player. I kind of, you know, going to be watching throughout the week. So for the eight K guys, I mentioned Sung Jay, he should be pretty low owned just because he's kind of out of sight, out of mind answer and burger are the other two that just are complete write-offs for most people when they look at this range mainly because there's a lot of guys that everyone wants to play young and homa for sure davis riley i think people will still it won't be as high as those two obviously but they'll still glom onto that connor's always draws ownership neiman should be slightly less but still somewhat popular then you have keegan and Mito. I guess Seamus Power is the other one, the $8,000 min that I don't think is going to garner too much interest. Between Burger, Answer, and Power, do you have a favorite of these low-owned guys? Or are they are they low-owned for a reason? That they're just well, just one problem, Jeff. They're not any good. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're terrible. These guys are just horrible. Um, they're look like I prefer Burger absolutely. Um, again, I, I, I'll buy into the course history, the bad course history with Burger. 
Um, it, it seems like everything is is sort of slightly coming together. He's just Berger is is one of those guys who his putter either seems to be like just absolutely cooking, or it's just kind of like it's just this is not good. Like it's just holding him back. But like the around the green game seems fine for Berger right now. The irons are just steady as per usual. We know he's not going to get in trouble off the tee. I think this could easily be the year where Berger steps up and like figures this course out. He's definitely coming off the missed cut at the PGA, probably a little embarrassing, but you know, he was fine last week. I mean, like talk about an under the radar, like T23. I mean, I don't even remember seeing Daniel Berger. So, you know, it wasn't the greatest week, but really all his troubles kind of just have been stemming from the putter lately. Lost a ton of strokes at the PGA. Uh, I, I will definitely probably take one more shot with Berger, even though again, another player, like, just I, I just want to want to see him like perform in a major because like you keep taking like value shots on him at like these 61 numbers and it gets gets annoying when you can't pay them off. But answer for me is the guy I don't mind fading the around the green game for him. It's just terrible. And I just feel like if, if he does that at this course, like we're going to get like a 77. So a little bit worried about him right now. I'm not going to necessarily get on him. Neiman is the interesting one. I mean, it's the dude obviously won at oh, Riviera at a really lo- tough golf course. I, I love Neiman here. I'm yeah. Neiman should be a core play for everyone this week. Absolutely. And like, I mean, you know, with, again, this is kind of where you have to play off where some of these, you know, these like, like what Mito is, is obviously going to be eating into Neiman a little bit. So that's nice. I mean, you can certainly take a stance on, on one of them on Neiman over, over Mito if you want. I don't really mind that play. I love Mito, but um, you know, I think Neiman is, is by far the more polished player of the two and, and is better set up for success at this course. So 8,300. Yeah. I don't mind buying into like a little bit of chalk there. Absolutely. And look, you could, you could pair him with Daniel Berger in this range. If you want to go uh, get a little bit contrarian or if you need two guys. So Berger's the guy I would take a shot with this week, you know, breaking the, like the, the course history kind of wreckage that he's had here before. And just, you know, coming back because he was fine last week. If the putter gets going this week and he figures these greens out, I, I definitely think he can, he can have some success here. So. Yeah. I think power of those three guys is the one. I mean, I like Neiman the best, obviously, but he'll be relatively not high owned, but he'll be somewhere in the middle. I just can't roster Seamus Power. Why? Why? The, but why not? Like he's been good. I don't know he, why. He's, he's either, just... he's either really good outperforms his DraftKings number by like a pretty sizable value, or he absolutely sucks. There's really no in between with him. I just look at Seamus Power and I'm like, this dude was like, I, I just see Corn Fairy Tour. I don't know why. I just, I literally cannot get over the hump with Seamus Power. I see him to put around these guys and I'm just like why is he there so obviously he's he's pretty good he's very consistent but um I, I can't I can't do it I can't I'm not gonna roster Billy Horschel either so there's two guys that I'm crossing off right there well and Bryson's right there as well I, mean, you, I don't even know if he's gonna end up playing but again one of those things where hey why don't you just bet him at 100 to 1 if he doesn't play you get your money back you probably don't want to risk any DraftKings lineup for an injured golfer at this point anyway I I just don't know what to do with Cam Young like that's the biggest conundrum for me this week like is this going to be one of these situations where he's such an obvious good play even at this price that everyone just like oh you know I'll fade Cam Young and then no one ends up using Cam Young it's it's a very real possibility because of the range he's in. Like I've already like I, I'm I've been talking up writing up Sanjay all day. So people are obviously going to like start to clue in that like Sanjay played well last week. He's around the green game is okay. Obviously you've got Lowry there. Max Homa is is a guy who you know people are going to talk up a little bit this week too. It's it's a real possibility that Cam Young just his ownership just isn't that high at the end of the week. 
I, I just, you know, the, when you, when you come to, to Muirfield, again, it's just like the greens can eat you up so fast here and, and, the, and they're around the greens that I, I will probably, you know, be fading him again. Um, but it, like, I, I almost, I don't know. I might even end up betting him just a hedge because it just seems so stupid not to have some exposure to this guy at some point. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, if, if you want to play him, I think that you're fine. You should just go overweight on him because I think that the range he's in, there, there's enough names there that it's going to eat into his overall ownership and probably not make him like heavy chalk at all. Well, I mean, chalky, but not like, you know, we're not talking crazy or anything. You worried about Rom this week? I mean, I'm worried about everybody, Pat, but... But like, in general, like, is there something off with Rom? I know that he won in Mexico. Like, and he won yeah. with like a C-minus effort, by the way. And he just Absolutely, didn't yeah. did not have it whatsoever at the PGA championship. And just looking at his past 12 rounds, like he, if you only look at his past 12 rounds, and it's a very small sample, obviously it's Rom and Cantlay and Corey Connors and Daniel Berger. They're like the four jabronis above $8,000 based on their most recent stats. Now you just factor those out to past 24 rounds. All of a sudden Rom looks awesome again, but just the closer you get to now, the worse Rom has looked. And that's, I don't want to say it scares me, but it does. We've, I'm like, we have seen this from Ron before. Like when he came in and won here and I think it was 2020, it was kind of the same. He was kind of just bawling about everyone's like, well, he's not really hitting high gear. I think we were getting like 20 to one on him. Yeah. It was above 20. I didn't. hit. Yeah. It was, it was like the last time he was above 20, like legitimately. So he went miscut 33rd, 37th, 27th first was how Ron came into that event. So, but to your point, like he, he, he's, he's not sharp. Like he's, he's not obviously as sharp as he was say, even at the beginning of the year when he was like gaining just a million strokes on approach. And it was just clear, like the around the green game and and putter was holding him back. It's just, that still hasn't really clicked outside of that one week at like the Mexico open where he just barely did enough to, to hang on. So I don't want to say like, I'm necessarily worried about him, but I don't really feel the need to play him this week either which maybe like says that like a lot of people are going to do that and think that way. And then, you know, he'll be, he'll be like 5% owned. I don't think it will be 5% owned, but um, yeah, he could be nine instead of 14 kind of thing. Yeah. I, Rom is, I don't know. It's, I'd, it's really hard to, to click on Rom with, with Rory just sitting there underneath. See, I, I disagree. Like in, unless you only are playing first round showdown, like I feel like, <laughs> I don't play Rory all that often, granted. Uh, it's funny because Raza and I are sort of like the diametric opposites of that. You as well. Like yeah. you, you always play Rory. And listen, he's a great DraftKings player. He tends to do very well. I don't feel like I've ever really lost money fading Rory, though. I have lost no, money. Probably, fa- probably I, ha- I have lost money fading Rom. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not necessarily worried about John Rom. So if you let's put it this way. If you like him. Like you should just play him because again, like we, we have seen him this from him before. Like he can go like a few events where it doesn't look that great on paper. He's still making cuts. And then it just clicks together. The one thing I'll say, and and like, you kind of brought this up, like he did lose strokes on approach at the PJ chat and he's still losing strokes around the greens there. That's, that's what kind of worries me, I guess the most about, you know, playing, playing Muirfield village is okay. The approaches will probably bounce back a bit, but if he can't get the around the green game together, like you, 
you just look at like the guys who, who finish highly here. They all gain over a stroke around the green. And I know it's around the green and, and it's, you know, it's a, there's a little bit of a luck variance, but when you've lost around the green in like eight of nine events now, it like, I don't really want to pay 11 one for you. So I don't know for me, Rom is like, I'll, I'll, I don't really have a hot take or, or an answer to what's wrong with him necessarily, but I'll, I'll, I don't really don't mind waiting just to see like a little bit of sharpness coming for the U S open. And I just think that this week too, I'll, I'll just side with Rory. I'll side with Rory again. I think that there's just been more consistency in his game. And um, I think he's coming in with just a better head of steam. Lower than 8,000. See, woo looks really good here. And that terrifies me to no end. I don't know what I, I, oh I got, I mean, what let's, I, I, I mean, if, if you're terrified about playing C, well, you're, you're, I, you're, I, you're, you're, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to say you should play Jason day. And that's going to be that's a bad, exactly bad idea, sir. <laughs> it's a great idea, Pat. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, what could go wrong with playing Jason day? It's not like he's got a bad back or something or he withdraws or he, or he loses strokes on approach. What could possibly go wrong with playing Jason day? What are you talking about? Okay. So let's, let's frame he's it. He's the former number one player in the world. He's fine. Come yeah. On. He's, he's great. Let's just uh, take a time machine back a uh, three quarters of a decade. And we'll be, we'll be top notch with Jason day. Uh, I would prefer see woo between wise Kirk, Kucher, Reed and Mito. Which guys of that five do you think that you're going to play? Cause I am going to play Mito. I think okay. I'm going to play Kirk. I think those are going to be my two. Uh, I'm definitely playing Aaron Wise this week. So wow. definitely uh, playing I, Aaron Wise. Wow. Definitely. Um, I, I like the upside with Wise. I mean, I think, again, you look at him and the talent potential. You know, what do you need to do at, at this course? You need to gain like five, six strokes on approach. You need to blast it out with your irons. And you need to have a, a, a decent week with the putter or just get fire around the, the greens. I think Aaron Wise is actually pretty underpriced. I mean, he's been gaining a lot of strokes on approach. He's shown that upside. He's, he's inconsistent as hell, and it's, it's, it's really annoying and can get annoying. But, like, there's no doubt to me that this is a player who has the potential to win on a course like this. And who do we see win these events? You know, younger guys break through for their first wins. Bryson did it. Cantley did it. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying necessarily Wise is as good as them, but, like, his, the talent level is comparable. I mean, he's really, really good when he gets it going. So, I think Wise at 7,500, that's got to be a must roster for me. Um, I will take a shot with Jason Day here. Ugh. Probably stupid. I'm getting sucked in by that Wells Fargo where he gained strokes on approach, like a, a bunch of them. And then he's just looked good around the greens away, which I think builds confidence. So Day is is probably going to be in the player pool. Wise for sure is my favorite player there. Probably going to fade Mito this week. I feel like he's just maybe like, you know, again, we're talking like four events in a row here. First time playing, worry a little bit around the greens, but um, and then I don't mind. I, I I don't mind eating the chalk with Chris Kirk again. This is a player who I just kind of feel like is is due. So uh, Dale being like my wild card there, but Wise is really the guy that I, I think that uh, I like the most. So no day, no Wise for me. I had more interest in like Norn and Leishman than those guys. I think that it's a. Do you think that people will go back to Norn after he just boned over everyone at the PGA Championship, being the <laughs> highest owned guy? Or will it be like, no, he's actually a pretty good fit for this course. No, I think people will kind of avoid him. I might just bet Alex Noren like top 10 or something like that. Um, just because I want to play wise and I'm not sure. And then I just talked up day as well. So obviously I'm not going to play like all three of them. I mean, I could, but I just rather light my lineup on fire than do that. But um, yeah, Noren is interesting. 
Yeah. So, I mean, Norin is, you know, like a decent fit from a, the standpoint of like veteran player, good around the greens, and he's been gaining on his strokes. Like, I, I like Norin at the PJ too. I was one of the the dummies who, you know, trusted him and then just was like, I'll eat the Alex Norin chalk. So, there's really no reason to get off him. I mean, he's played well. It's just, you know, there's there's other options in this range. I mean, I think Chris Kirk is obviously a safer play, but you know, if you don't like my Jason Day call or or if you're not down with Siwoo, then I mean, Norin offers the similar kind of upside in my opinion. I think all I, like we can make cases for Leishman, Norin, Kim, and, and even Jason Day. It's just like all of them come with like little you know, they they come with flaws. Like Leishman really hasn't been that consistent. He's got great course history though. Uh, Siwoo kind of same thing day is day. And then Norin really has played like probably the most consistent golf of the four. So maybe that's the guy we should be trusting. If we're just looking at like the overall recent trends from the lower part here, I don't really have a ton. I like CT pan. I don't think I'm going to be alone on that. I do really like Lahiri at 7,200 bucks. He's been hampered by his putter as of late, but the ball striking has still been really good. He's a new dad, so we've got that baby swag on the go. Has had some pretty decent performances here in the past as well, so I like Lahiri at 72. I think he's a nice compliment at the back end. No one is going to be on him. And then after that, man, just pick and choose. Steele is really the only one that sticks out as, hey, this guy is like an absolute really good play. The numbers will tell me Adam Long and Patrick Rogers are both good plays. I'm not going to fall for that. Trust me, I'm not falling for that move. But Glover is the other one at 65. And EVR. EVR, for whatever reason, like the more I dig into my key metrics this week in the short term it's not great but over like past 24 past 50 past 75 yeah. past 100 rounds this does really seem like an evr type course yeah absolutely it is because he's a guy who can come in and, and just you know gain you seven strokes on approach when he's feeling it and he'll he'll like i think he's a great spike candidate for this week i, I like van ruin uh van ruyen down there um steel obviously you know just from the consistency standpoint and like the short-term trends he was the guy I picked out as well. And I think it makes a ton of sense, but uh, EVR at 66, I, I think is like the better upside play for, for tournaments, maybe not better upside play, but a, a player you could certainly use and mix into your player pools. And the nice thing is you don't have to go heavy on EVR to go overweight on the field. Um, I looked up Francesco down there at 66, yeah. just cause I was interested. He's playing well around the greens, which yeah, that's it. Probably that, that's, all, that's all. He's not going to gain five strokes around the green every tournament. It's not happening. No, but he's like, turn, I was just going to say, like, he's kind of like turned into Matt Kuchar, where he just like, you know, gains strokes around the greens and like makes cuts now. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I just wanted to point that out. You're right. I'm not like, I, I think EVR and Steel are probably better plays. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird though. Like for a deeper field, there's not really many players under like 7,500. I really want to play. I mean, CT Pan obviously been really consistent but like how much more does he really have to give us is he, is he gonna like go out there i'd rather play lahiri too by the way i i like that call i know he finished t2 here one year went absolutely nuts in the final round if i remember correctly he shot like a 64 65 so like some good mojo there um he's he's been dialed in this year he's like you said new dad a lot of confidence it feels like still wish he had it he'd taken down the players that would have been cool to see but um you know, like Ricky's got the course history. Oh, I'm give sure me he'll a get fucking some... break, Ricky. <laughs> I just said he's got course history. I didn't say I want to play him bad. I just said he's got the course history. I don't think I don't think he's ever missed a cut here, has he? Great. Then play Streelman. 
Did you see him with those gloves at the, at the Wells Fargo? No, I didn't. He looked like he was going for a snowmobile ride. <laughs> what are you doing out there? Like, what are you doing? Oh, poor Rick. Is he going to go to the Live Golf Tour? I wonder. I mean, maybe one day. Maybe one day he can find his way overseas, and maybe maybe when they come over stateside, Ricky can join the Live Tour once he. Well, Having, he he's watching start- the downfall of Ricky Fowler that we've seen over the last three years. It's just crazy, man. Like back in 2015, 2016, this guy was on top of the world. I don't know. Strange to see. (laughs) The other ones I would look at, it's been few and far between, but Ryan Palmer spikes every now and then. Brant Snedeker's irons have come back to life all of a sudden. I don't know if this is necessarily the spot for it, but I thought that was interesting. The two from like down here, I mentioned Glover, he's 65. Neesmith is down there as well. Then you have this weird Bo Hogue situation. Do you remember this? Oh, oh, isn't he? Um, His dad uh, was like the groundskeeper at this course or something weird like that. Yeah, like he grew up playing it or something to that effect. Yeah, yes. and he's actually been like pretty decent at this course in his career. And he's the min. He's, he came 13th last year. He was 62nd the year before that. I mean, it's, it's not going to be any great shakes, but he's legitimately $6,000. I think I'd rather play Luke Donald. Oh, my than God. Go. <laughs> oh, my God. What, are you trying to win the fucking Jer- Heritage GPP in 2014? <laughs> With all your Ricky, Day, Luke Donald. <laughs> this is a great team you got here, Jeff. Um, I mean, I'm not playing Bo Hogue. I mean, I guess you could, but I mean, like. Will you bet me, Bo- will, you, will you bet me DraftKings points Bo Hogue versus Luke Donald? Yeah, absolutely I will. Yes. Because Bowling's going to miss the cut. He's not even making cuts on the Corn Ferry Tour. Oh, yeah, and, and, and Luke Donald. He's the epitome of cut-making prowess, isn't he? Luke Donald's like 10th in strokes gained approach. Yeah, that's great. He legitimately can't. The, the rest of his game is me at this point. <laughs> he le, in Veteran pat- savvy. I'll go with veteran savvy over your Bohog course history nonsense. How's that? Hey, it's not even course history nonsense. It's course knowledge nonsense. Okay, fair enough. Course... Uh, of course, pedigree, we'll call it. Luke Donald yeah, is... Lingworth down here, too. Oh, yeah, you could wow. play a former champ. You played Dirt McGirt as well. Lingworth cost me so much money here when he beat Justin Rose. Not uh, so much, but Feinberg, a decent Fe- chunk. Feinberg and I were talking about that earlier because I think everyone had Rose that week. And I had him in a DFS lineup. Like, it basically cost me the difference between first and third in, like, oh. a, a playoff. The playoff, the win. So, it was brutal. Anyways. Looking... Oh, is stra- Just... I have to ask, is Robert Streb in this field? Yes, he is. I There's the player. I just saw his name. That's, yeah. that's actually the play at $6,000. This guy eats up Nicholas courses. He's great. I mean, like, again, if you're like, okay, in all seriousness, if you're playing someone for the min, your goal should be like, what is the chances of a top 10 here or a top 20? Not like obviously scraping by to make a cut. I would agree that Robert Streb, because when Robert Robert Streb makes a cut, I mean you can you can just see it. like he's like he's got a couple he's got a couple top tens on his list. That's kind of his mo. Like he misses a bunch of cuts, and then he plays okay, and he does have some some course history, like you said, at Nicholas courses. So if you're going down here, like I would probably rather take a shot with like him or I don't know what Charlie Hoffman's doing these days. Don't play Charlie Hoffman. Charlie, Charlie Hoffman's um, ball striking returned last week. He's, he didn't play well, but. 
he actually gained off the tee and on approach for the first time and since he got hurt, I think, in Phoenix. I mean, if, if you look here, like, if, if you're looking at the men, again, like, Ryder is maybe another name you could throw in that group. But, Ooh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I don't I don't hate the Streb call. Again, we're talking about a min price play. You really don't need to go down here. But well, well, that, well, down- well, well, here's the thing. Maybe you do because we just talked about all these balanced builds that everyone is going to do. If you want to play the one up, one down, like what one of the three guys that we just mentioned is probably going to make the cut between Hoffman, Hogue, Hell, one of the four, let's say, Donald and Streb. One of those right. four guys is going to make the cut, right? So that leaves you your Rory Morikawa, Rom Rory lineups with Cam Young, if you wanted to play him as well, rather than playing those sorts of lineups and being like, oh, my third guy in is Matt Kuchar. Like, if is the difference between, let's say, Kuchar and Lowry the same difference between, I don't know, Stuart Sink and Bo Hogue? I, I mean, I think I'd rather shoot for the better upside, wouldn't you? It's the type of week where, like, obviously you, this, this is what we're talking about. When we talk about the stars and scrubs, you can dip down. I was just going to say, like, you don't necessarily need to dip down that low. Like Matthew Neesmith at 6,400. I know we kind of mentioned him, but I, I, like, I don't mind going down there. But you can definitely do that. I mean, if you're making stars and scrubs, like you said, really, we're just looking for the guy to get through the cut. And it's a shorter field. So, you know, you know, just the, the percentage is way better in our, in our chances that one of these guys is going to sneak through. So, yeah, again, if you're playing here, I mean, play for the upside. Um, the, the chances are better that, you know, the, a, a couple of these guys are going to sneak through this week. I also didn't mind the Snedeker call, again, for the simple fact that, like, when we're looking at these players, Snedeker can bail us out in, like, a couple different ways, right? I mean, you mentioned his irons sort of return back to life. We know what he can do with the putter. Um, so, you know, you, if, if you want to, you know, dip down here, I think Snedeker is a guy I would take a look with. Streb is probably the guy I would play at the min. I really don't hate Luke Donald, but I'll, I'll put Streb in front of him. Um, and then, yeah, you know, play for the, play for the absolute upside, the guys who can save you in a couple different ways. Um, you know, maybe they have a little bit more of experience in some ways. Maybe they play well at Nicholas courses like Streb. Whatever the 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 case, you know, shoot for that upside because if they do scrape by, I mean, you know, you, your lineup's going to be in a fantastic position uh, just in terms of well originality, I guess. Well, it just the it's the originality of what happens at the top. It just gives you access to more of these high upside guys without having to do the common balance yeah. build. So your three guys at the top of your lineup are going to be so much different than everyone else's. Now, I wouldn't recommend this for a single entry or a three max or anything like that. But if you're going to play 20, 50, 100, 150 lineups, the, this would be the sort of lineup that I, I listen. I'm going to play 50 to 75 lineups this week. I'll probably make 20 with this sort of build and then try out some of the other ones. I'm not going to be all in on this strategy but i think it's interesting to go through and try to figure that out well and since we're talking about it like how popular is bo hosler going to be this week even in the field 6200 hosler's only 62 yeah i know i didn't even see his name well that that should be a very good play that sounds like a good play to me (laughs) i mean you can you can i mean grillo's 6200 too yeah i'll take a hard pass on that one pal okay Okay, I won't sell you on Grillo. But theoretically, you could play like Hosler and Grillo or Hosler and Snedeker and go like Young and two guys over 10K and still have 7,500 left. So- here's here's my issue with Hosler. Every time you get him at a course that's over like 7,000 yards, he's, his approach is just god-awful. Like he's gained on approach one, two, three, four times this year. 
Arnold Palmer, granted, long course, somewhat of a corollary, so I'll give you that one. But the rest of them, Pebble Beach, Colonial, Honda. That's not, those aren't the longest courses out there. I mean, if if anyone's going to blow up, you know, it's, it's Bo Hosler, like blow up for people who, who are going to suddenly be trusting him down there. What is like, okay, you may, you don't like Grillo. Like, what about Danny Willett down there or Martin Laird? I mean, well, Laird, well, Willett is sort of the answer to what you were saying about Snedeker. I think that he's just sort of a better version of like what you would think Brant Snedeker does right now. Like, he's very good right. around the greens. He's very good on difficult courses. I, I can make a logical case for that. He hasn't been an abject failure lately. He's good at the Masters and he was good at the Bet Fred Danny Willett British Masters. Good enough, at least. He was T60. He had hosting duties, okay? So I, I think you get very similar things out of those guys. I don't know exactly what I want to do down here or where I really want to attack. And I think Hogue, Neesmith, Streb. Although, I mean, Ryder's going to give you seven eagles. Whether he makes the cut or not, I don't know. But Sam Ryder. He's this been, is the, it's he's kind been of so funny, bad. though. This does feel like the range where, like, you can – like this, the, like making decisions down here is kind of going to be important this week. It feels like, especially if you want to do that, you know, y- you want to actually go stars and scrubs. So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of agree with you on Hosler. Like I wasn't, I'm not really trying to push him. I just sort of saw him down there. I don't really want to trust Bo Hosler coming off a good start. He's played a little bit more consistent this year, but I agree. Like in a tougher course for Bo Hosler, maybe isn't like the greatest setup either, at least in my opinion. Um, like Adam Shank is down there too. I don't know. Like there, there is definitely play. I think this just more speaks to the fact, like I really want to go stars and scrubs this week. And again, like you don't necessarily have to bypass that range. We talked about with like young and stuff, but this allows you, if you go down that deep, you know, you can, you can fit in like a Rory or a Morcow with, you know, whoever your favorite play is there, Riley, young, Homa, whatever. Yeah. I just built one as we were talking, it's Morikawa, Cam Smith, Shane Lowry, Mito is the top four Streb and Brendan Steele. That's not horrible. It's like you said. I mean, there's these guys at the bottom. I mean, if they scrape by for you, it's going to look fantastic. Assuming, you know, your other guys don't go, don't screw up. Yeah, well, you need to get the, you need to get these guys through and you need to get the top right. And the only way to get the top right perfectly with these guys is doing it this way, it feels like. Because other, otherwise, you're going to have the same guys as everyone else and in sort of the similar combination. So working around it that way, I think, can work out a little bit. Did you put any uh, stock into the nationwide event that's on the Corn Ferry Tour that they've played here before? Uh, it's at, like, OSU. It's, like, a corollary course of sorts. Fenson won last year with Burgoon and Jagabombs in second. Uh, Cam Young was in 10th. The year before that, Cam Young was in second. Curtis Luck won, who is in the field this week. Scotty Scheffler wins the year before that with Bo Hostler in second place. Streb wins the year before that with Peter Malnati. Uli, oh, your boy Uline. Shocking he's not in this field. Grayson Murray, Justin Thomas, Harris English as an amateur. We got some guys up here who've won this event. Cameron Smith has a second place finish here too at this one. Uh, I definitely didn't look at those results, but I was aware of that event. Like I knew, I knew Curtis Locke had some reason for being in this field and I assume that's it. Um, yeah. The Streb, the Streb thing is nice. Let's just rally around Robert Streb this week. I think that's the big takeaway here. It is. Let's see. Uh, what, what can I bet Robert Streb at this week? 500 to one. 20 is top 20 has got to be like, I mean, Plus fifteen hundred. I was gonna say, he, get that? Hey, his top forty might be like 
six to one or something crazy. That'd be fantastic. Let's see here. Top finishes. Streb top forty. Should we even bother looking up what he did last week? Like, no, yeah, he's been horrible. He's been horrible since okay. Honda. I, think. I mean, he was even bad at Honda, but at least he gained like four strokes on approach or something like that. Streb is plus two fifty to come inside the top forty. Plus four fifty to come inside the top thirty. Now, now you're talking Pat's language. <laughs> Ryan hasn't Brick. been that bad. I I like this. I like this call for DFS. Oh, this is gonna be so. This is gonna be so horrible when he's like seven over after seven holes. Yep, very real possibility. He's seven over after seven holes. But if he scrapes by, well, he scrapes what, by Pat. Let's try to play the best plays since we've been talking yeah, about it, since we've just spent twenty minutes talking about the absolute worst plays in the field. Let's try, try to play the best plays here. Where does it start? Do you think? Xander or Spieth, do you think is the first man in? I mean, I think it's got to be Spieth at this point. I, I kind of like Xander better, though. Okay, let's start with Xander. He's, three, he's $300, $500 more. That's a lot of money, $500. Okay. So we'll go with him. Cam Young, I think, has to go in. Mito has yeah. to go in. Yes. Okay, so now we have $7,600 left. Chris Kirk. Kirk? Yeah, I was going to say Kirk. No. Kirk? Wise? I mean, I like Wise. Um, you can go Kirk wise Kucher if you wanted to, like we're playing the best place. You're like, what's like the obvious lineup that people are going to build. That feels like a no, pretty obvious sure. lineup. The, like, I, I mean, if, if you think wise is obvious enough for people and that's where they'll go, I'm down with it. I think that's a good chance of being like very obvious. So how much do we have left after Kirk? Nothing. Zero. We have Xander young Mito Kirk wise Kucher. all your money. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I guess you could say like, you can make the case like, what about Reed? Reed is too expensive by a hundred dollars. But if we took, if we took uh wise out and played like Hoagie. No, nah, but no one's going to use Hoagie. He's not, he's not a part of the best play contingent this week. Like it's all, fair. all these guys I'm looking at right yeah. now are projected. There's over just no 15%. one under wise. That's like, really, you're right. That would fit in. So, okay. Yeah. So that's the team. Xander, Cam Young, Mito, Kirk, Wise, and Matt Kuchar is the official play the best plays lineup. I should just go enter this in a $100 single entry right now, mainly because I play the best plays every week. I don't use any of these guys in another lineup. And I look at my DraftKings on like Sunday mornings. Like, I mean, I have one lineup that's doing great. It's that fucking lineup every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how, I, that's the other thing. How chalky is this lineup going to be? Well, that's, that's the whole I don't point. Think it's going to be. I think it's going to be incredibly chalky. Speed. Yeah, okay. There's no Did speed. Did we put Lowry in? No, Lowry's not in because I went with Cam Young. Right. $200? I feel like maybe we should take Xander out and put like Lowry in or something. I don't know. I, I think that Xander's going to be super popular. Okay. Fair enough. That's me though. Use fantasynational.com slash mail to get 20% off and track it as it goes throughout the course of the week. I mean, that's another way that you could potentially go about this. What do you got going on this week? Oh, yeah, I'm going to have some best bests up on Tuesday uh, for DK Nation, filling in for Reed Fowler, who, you know, shout out to him and his wife, obviously had their first kid, but have my PJ cheat sheet up too for, for the memorial. So give me a follow at the Fantasy Grind if you could, really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I'll have some best bets up there once I decide, you know, how much I want to wager on Robert Streb and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'll probably have some good golfers in there too. I know the one player I'm definitely interested in right now, Sunjay going a little bit under the radar, liking his odds, but uh, probably have some money on Aaron Wise as well. So those are kind of two guys 
I've decided on so far, but I'll have, uh, you know, a final article up uh, again at the fantasy ground. If you could, let me ask you this. What would Rom have to be for you to bet him this week? I asked Feinberg this question earlier. What would be the odds? Like, oh my God, John, like if you just opened it, it's like Rom yeah. has fallen to this number. What does that number need to be for Rom? 1600. I definitely get interested. I bet that might even be like the limit for me. Really? Maybe so, 1800. I would say so 15 to one wouldn't do it for you. Be really close. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I could probably. Oh man. What? Who's at fifteen to one right now? Like Cantley? Now, like it. it Rom's ten. Rory's eleven. Cantley's eighteen. On DraftKings, it's flipped a little bit because Cantley. Yeah. Cantley's the second favorite at ten to one, but everywhere else he's eighteen to one. I, okay. I think that. Man, how is Xander sixteen? That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think sixteen. Up there, sixteen, like around the the Morikawa shot, like Shoffley. Yeah, and even you'd have to bet him at that. Like you'd have to. I mean, yeah, like I I'm seeing Morikawa at twenty five at some spots. Like I, I'm betting that a hundred a hundred percent of the time you give me Morikawa at twenty five percent, especially at this course. Yeah, yes, sign me up. I I may be on that train with you. I know looking at the at the top, no way I'm betting Xander at those numbers. I mean, I like him, but like just you can't. The top end for Xander just isn't quite, it's just not as good as Morikawa. So it's just a long-term thing. You just keep betting Morikawa when his number is bigger like that. And eventually you're going to profit. So I think the guy I need to make a decision on this week is Spieth. I actually was a little surprised his number was as big as it was. And I, I mean, I, you know, his, his performance here hasn't been like super consistent, but the around the, everything's working for him right now. I don't know. This fe feels like either the week he misses the cut or he like wins again. So kind of got to make a decision there. Yeah, I would say hard pass on speed this week. I just I don't okay. I don't like this course for him, and that's not saying that he can't win. I mean, he's probably going to go out and win now, but this, this is not where I would be going after him. I I can bet Morikawa at the same number. If you can get Morikawa at the same number, I mean that's that's fine. Like again, if you could. I'm just thinking like, do I want to bet two guys from that range too? Hovland's there. Smith. Um. Again. Yeah. You can have Smith at 22 or 25 if you want it. Smith at 22 or 20 with the same as Spieth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd be fine. Like, I don't really, the other thing is like, I don't bet Jordan Spieth that often. So I don't really feel that bad if I leave him off, but like a Smith, uh, Smith Morikawa combo to start at like 25, you get that. That feels like a pretty good start to the week. I mean, Smith coming off all those gained approaches, week arrest. Again, this is Spieth's fourth week in a row. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like just talking about it. I'd probably leaning more cow at the very least, and maybe even Smith over speed. I mean, I'm just shocked you didn't bet Luke Donald. So Jason Day, Luke Donald, there you bet go. Bet him last week, top 40. You got like an eight-way tie. So that was awesome. So you like lost money on that bet. You bet, yeah, I think you so. bet $20 <laughs> to get like $2 back. I think I got like $22 back or something. So Fantastic. A profit of two bucks on Luke Donald. That's the most anyone has won in Luke Donald in seven years. <laughs> You're gonna be sad when he when he beats Boho this week. Not a chance. Zero percent plus chance six. of that. Plus six to plus eleven or something. Right. <laughs> play in the listeners league. Oh my voice, it's going on me again. Uh, you should play in that too, Jeff. By the way, but all the people out there listening and watching should do that as well. Find the link down in the description. Three max entry, fifteen dollars play, no rake, twenty five hundred spots. We juice it. We juice it again next week at the Canadian Open, and then boom, max money for the U.S. Open. So 
we should do that. All final plays will be in the newsletter for you to join down in the description. And I'll be live with Tyler Tambellini, toe taking Tambo from runpuresports.com. Noon Eastern, Wednesday, live on Mayo Media Network. You got to be subscribed in order to ask your question. So go do that now. Set your reminder and tune in then. In between then and now, I'm going to be like sleeping or something like that. So I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.